Hello everyone and welcome to the Trina Leaves Experience Episode 5. I'm your host Dustin Galish. This week I talked to Andrew Price of Frogtown Glassroots. Uh, Andrew is a promoter, uh, a creator of uh, concert venues, uh, as you'll see in, in someone's backyard, which is really this uh, beautiful location in Grand Rapids um, that I was able to go and film a collection of shows and kind of tell the story of how Andrew got started and uh, booking shows and even how uh, he got started just sort of getting back into music. So join us, episode five, Andrew Price. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the Trino Leaves Experience. The Trino Leaves Experience is made possible with support from Grounds for Thought, quality coffee since 1989, located in Bowling Green, Ohio. You know, I talk about Grounds uh, pretty much every week, and there's an aspect of Grounds for Thought that many of you not, might not know about. Uh, we actually released a record with them called Prophet Holographic back in 2018, and uh, it was the fifth record that Grounds for Thought uh, has actually put out. Uh, Kelly Wicks actually has a sort of unknown record label called Grounds for Thought Records, and he's put out a collection of sort of mostly live releases of bands that have played at Grounds for Thought over the years, many times Black Swamp artists um, from the festival uh, from years past. Um, we were actually the first band to put out a set of original studio uh, music um, on his label, and so, it's just another thing that Grounds for Thought does outside of the coffee and the books and the comics and just really being a great place for people to be. So uh, if you want to know more about Grounds for Thought Records, certainly ask me, uh, ask Kelly Wicks over at Grounds for Thought. Or if you want to order some coffee beans, just go to groundsforthought.com today. The Trino Leaves Experience is also made possible with support from Augvents, building community, connecting people, and events. You can download the free Augvents app today at Google Play or the Apple Store. You know, I talk about Augments each week. Uh, it's still really this sort of unique app that was created here in Bowling Green. Um, there's a small set of individuals, including myself, who have been trying to put some uh, you know, time and effort into developing this app and really showing people the possibilities of having something that uses GPS technology um, and some augmented reality to sort of show you what's going on, uh, specifically with events, music, um, that's been our focus is really music, but it can really be used for a lot of things. So if you check out uh, the app on your phone today, download it, it's free. You can see what's going on in your neighborhood. And if you want to find ways to help put more events on there, certainly go to uh, augvents.com today and find out more. I also want to let everybody know about at trinoleaves.com right now. We've got a really great collection of more merch available. Um, we've just got a bunch of new copies of our concept record, The Eyes of Xylem, which is a 20-page uh, sort of a picture book and picture book I mean sort of illustrations that go along with the concept record that we put up and also a seven inch produced by Little Elephant custom vinyl which features four of the tracks off the record. Our 12 inch private holographic is also available. We've got some new posters, uh, new shirts um, with mandala created by uh, Ando Illustration which is uh, who created the artwork for the Eyes of Xylem and we've also got some new stickers on the way. And so, once again, trinoleaves.com. We've got over 16 releases, a bunch of digital, vinyl, comic shirts, posters, and stickers. Andrew, what is going on? Welcome to the Trino Leaves Experience. Actually, should I call you Worm? or what? I, I didn't know what to call you, actually. That was sort of my first thing. It was too proper to call you Andrew. No, and, Andy. Andrew's fine. Cool. That's just a childhood nickname that's been following me around for going on two decades now, I guess. So that is something that, yeah, I'd never, I, you know, I haven't known you since you were a kid, so I always felt a little weird if I would just call you Worm for a yeah, second. It doesn't have any relation to anything besides a teacher ended up calling me that after a friend had renamed me that, and when the English teacher in eighth grade calls you that, it, you don't really have much of a choice <laughs> after that. It's kind of stuck that <laughs> way. Well, thanks for being here, man. Uh, what I usually like to do at the start of the episode is just kind of give a really quick sort of sort of breakdown of what you're doing and then we're going to elaborate on that so you work with or you are frogtown frogtown Glassroots, and then so that really is your baby right and so yeah. to me that is at the core of it is a promotion company Definitely. booking yep. uh and that's really what you've been at to how many years you've been at that now it's been five years already five years okay yeah, all right which, uh, it, it seems kinda, like it kind of shocks me that too i mean obviously the last year doesn't yeah. almost doesn't count in some yeah, ways, right? It, yeah, yeah, it accounts. A calendar went by, but you know, having whole tours set up for clients and then just not to see any of them happen was pretty crushing. So um, it's really nice to be back though, and having live music again. 
Yeah, I mean, thanks for having us out too. We got we got we yeah, came out to really absolutely. the first sort of unveiling again, just sort of people being in a place and celebrating music and community again. So that was nice, and so you know that that space is really unique. But before we get to into that stuff, like I really want to know, like what what really got you started in promoting and booking? Because it's not it's not the easiest thing. I can attest to it. I've done some of it for the band. It's it's a unique skill set. You know, like what got you into yeah, what what, um, what convinced you was like, oh, I could do this. You know, what was that? So when I, I'm trying to think, when I f first got back in school in like 2015, I went back to University of Toledo and um, I was finishing up a business degree and I was working uh, towards a minor in entrepreneurship as well. And um, I had gone through some personal health issues, um, just uh, I was addicted to opiates actually for a few years. So when I got clean off of that, which I'll be six years clean um, this August, Great. that kind of opened I, my eyes back up to just what I was passionate about too in mm. life and uh, the timing just kind of took flight where we had friends older brothers who knew people that had done event production and things like that over the years too but none of our group of friends really seemed like what they wanted to do that in the past but it was just kind of it was just I'm not sure. Was it there someone you met that like spawned even the idea? No, no. Again, so it was like, hey, I just want to throw a festival. The very you know I mean? first, the very first band I ever worked with was Indigrass. So I have to give credit to Dylan, the mandolin player there. Um, he also went to Anthony Wayne High School, which that's I grew up in Waterville. He's a White House kid, so all the Indigrass guys are from out that way. And that's actually the first band that I started booking for, okay. and that would have been spring of like 2016 because right. it's been just over five years now but he was kind of the one that pushed me into it too and I think that's because like you said especially when you're playing in a band I mean as a musician there's it's real tough to do that too but I mean it's tough to do it when you don't have sure. music to learn and shows to play and yeah. everything else to worry about so just I, I got into festivals probably my freshman year of college I was down at OU for a couple years before Toledo mm -hmm. And I got really into, you know, I went to All Good was my first festival when it got moved to Ohio. So I got exposed to a lot of music that I wasn't exposed to before. I was always kind of into the Grateful Dead. Um, my grandma's really been into the dead. My parents aren't kind of skipped a generation there, but both of my brothers are too. So it's just, just reigniting that passion when I was in school is really what made me dive in and then encouragement from those friends that I have and they know who they are and especially Dylan and Indigrass was the first band I ever booked for and then it just kind of went from there man you meet people and you realize you know a lot of people too around the area through everybody because Toledo's not nearly as big of a city compared to like Cleveland or Columbus or it really is it no it really no. is strange how small it gets at times and even like whoever is really working and doing stuff you cross paths at yeah. some point it, you know? it's, it's sort it, of hard not it's to really do. unusual being on the border too of Michigan what we've found you know doing events and stuff that we do promote a lot down in Dayton and Columbus for festivals, but at the same time, there's kind of a unique region here where the tri-state area, you got kind of Fort Wayne and then all of Michigan, because there's a lot of certain Ohio bands always play the same festivals, at least smaller ones you see. So sure. we've been kind of trying to mix that up too when we throw events, but um, yeah, that that's how we got here, I guess. That's awesome. I mean, I think, because to me, usually seems like most people are involved in promotion or booking at least in some ways are like failed musicians or something who kind of gave up and, or realized they were good at this one aspect of it and kind of kept that going. And the other one is almost just that I found is just people who love music. Yeah. Like that's the that, other type, That's right? hundred percent. Those are the two, me. right? I, yeah. I did play trombone in fifth grade. Okay. That, that was the extent of it. My, <laughs> my dad was in the band though at Anthony Wayne and they have a very strong like marching band tradition. He played trumpet and sousaphone and, he didn't march his senior year, but his junior year, they actually went to the Orange Bowl. Cool. And the band director that was around then, I, I forget his name, but uh, he ended up taking his own life. It was pretty tragic after he retired or after mm -hmm. they kind of forced him out. But um, he, he was always like his dream to get him to the Rose Bowl. And so, like, they got to the Orange Bowl, and then, like, the New Year's Eve, they went overseas too and did a New Year's Eve parade in, like, London and stuff like that. So my dad was always, like, into music kind of growing up too more than I was, I would say. Even like a bigger scale too. I mean, that's sort of yeah. That's not just playing. That's sort of traveling. That yeah. coordination of it all. Absolutely. Just sort of. Like, I mean, I was always super into sports growing up. That was like my main thing. I played everything under the sun. And yeah. Like even though I'm Toledo alumni, my my dad's Toledo alumni. My mom is Bowling Green alum though. She's got her masters too from down here. And I grew up playing hockey and swimming okay. down here. All so. right. Cool. That actually, that was see, my background was more sports too. Really, like I didn't even touch an instrument until I was in college. Yeah, right. It, you know, it was sort of like. I always I do kind of joke sometimes how 
I'm kind of bitter that I didn't at least like someone give me a piano or something. And when I was a kid, you know, we're just sort of, it just wasn't around, you know, my dad loved music, listened to it, would talk about it, but it didn't play it. You know, we'd sing in the shower or something, you know, that was sort of the <laughs> extent you. he was okay. Well, you know, I, it was sort I'm of like, think. I got two younger brothers and my brother Phil's not even two years younger than me. We were two grades apart, but he always played piano and guitar and mm -hmm. stuff. Nothing. He wasn't ever in a band or anything, but both of my younger brothers did take lessons and, yeah play music a little more formally than I did. I always just enjoyed uh, going to the show. And it always just sparked my interest, too, when I when I first went to, like, a festival of the size I did, because the first one I went to was all good, and there was, like, 30,000 people there, and it just makes you wonder, like, you know, the logistics behind something like that, because it's hard enough to make, like, a 200 to 250-person event that successful, and then it's like, yeah. how do you make a 30,000-person event work, you know? Yeah, I think... <laughs> I mean, you have to start small, but I think that's something that, to me, that's like really great about what we've done is like you, you have grown, especially the the Poe Road space into something that seems bigger than it should be in a way. You know, it's sort of like, not not, not saying that a negative, but it's just sort of surprising yeah. how many people show up for those things, and it shows you there's a, a want for that. And a lot of that just comes down to space. Like people, I think at one point we played in like someone's, like it was like a cornfield or something. I remember it was a few years ago. And it was just like, I got a cornfield. I guess we'll throw a stage in it. And it didn't really work out that well. But that space just sort of seems like it's made for people to gather. And I think that's something that a lot of festivals, especially outdoor ones, I feel like the, the actual space itself yeah. is really unique. And that lends to really what the whole thing is going to be about. You know, it's kind of like you're isolated out there in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, it, of it is a super unique place. Um, I know that Wayne, who's the property owner who uh, started Wayne Stock in like 2011. So he'll, he'll have his 10th Wayne Stock coming up this fall, right after Sacred Harvest Fest happens. But um, he told us about some of the artifacts and things that they found out there. And not just like, uh, like arrowheads and things like that, but like bird bones, which are like weapons from a long, long time ago. Just with the river being right there and everything yeah, yeah. like that. Like there's definitely been human life and stuff going on out there for a lot longer than a lot of people so realize. There's more history than just a bunch of hippies there, out there, there playing is, stuff. You know absolutely. I mean? yeah. in, in Grand Rapids, too, there's something. Uh, there was a really interesting video I saw. It was on YouTube, and they found this, like, cement sculpture, but it was, like, uh, like the, I don't know, had, like, a bigger, like, brain top, basically, but it, it was a cement sculpture, and they didn't. Somebody from Lima found this washed up in the Maumee River wow. in, like, 1959. <laughs> and there's not much more to it than that, but I think it's, I'm not sure if it's in a museum, so there's something, the video kind of talks about it, but it was just in a yeah. Grand Rapids group like a couple weeks ago. I just thought that was so interesting. I mean, have, have you guys ever really had any strange experiences out there with anything sort of? No, sort of, it just know? seems like the acoustics are like made perfect out there, yeah. you know? I mean, that's the biggest compliment that I get when when we're throwing a festival that only attracts, you know, 150 to 300 people is like, the production's amazing. The sound is amazing. And we have an amazing production crew, but the just the land out there too, and how it's kind of shaped. It is like a small amphitheater, like, mm -hmm. and it's just kind of like you said. It's kind of made for just the setup and everything. How the stage was uh, built, where it was built, everything like that. We're just building from the ground up at this point. So most of the people who are here are part of the production crew. So getting you know sound and lights set up on the stage. Um, some vendors do arrive tonight, so we kind of get them situated to make life as easy as possible for everybody else. The more you do today, the less you got to do tomorrow. So I think, like I said, you just kind of set yourself up for success. But uh, I'm just really excited to see like an awesome weather forecast. With all the rain all week, I was getting a little nervous. The good thing about out here at the sanctuary, it is kind of like the very edge of the Oak Openings region, you know, coming south from like the Toledo, like Springfield Township area. So there is, a, this is actually a lot of sand out here. Because I've noticed we've gotten lots of rain in the past where it's like, oh my gosh, like how are people going to get out tomorrow? And then it ends up being, it gets absorbed a lot quicker because it's sand. So that just makes life easier for everybody too, you know. Let's talk a little more about, you mentioned like seeing these large scale festivals and like how, how is this possible? Logistics, right? And that's where your brain works. I and mean, that's one of the reasons I want to talk to you is because this, this show is really about people who have kind of like created their own thing, right? Figured it out, solved a problem. You're, you're probably like, hey, people want to see a festival. There doesn't seem to be anything in this area. Maybe I'm the guy to fix that, right? Kind of like there were some things going on. So like what, what does it really take to pull off a festival? Like you're talking three nights sometimes, a lot of bands, a lot of money involved. Like what, could you simplify that down to like what's the core of what it takes to pull that off? Um, 
really just dedication and persistence. Um, really, especially going over the years. You know, if you want something bad enough, you'll figure out a way to make it happen and make it work. Mm-hmm. And I just truly believe to this day that I can say this with an honest face is that we've always done things the right way. Like, even if we've taken losses, which we have right. with rain, you know, every time you throw an outdoor festival, it's a roll of the dice. Because yeah, if really you is. get a couple inches of rain, it doesn't matter. You're eating a loss if you're not a bigger festival that has corporate backing or sponsorship or whatever. You know, yeah. I'm sure there's loopholes around that for those guys. But there's not anything like that for us. So, you know, you, it, it's a big gamble like that. But it's just – it's totally worth it when you see the sunshine and, you know, people get together from all walks of life. Yeah, that's really hard. I mean, I, I think that's one thing. The, just the fact that it's outdoors in itself seems counterintuitive to music because you've got all this electronics and all these things that are just like, you know, unless you're doing acoustic shows, which is not, I mean, you've got lights. This is like, this is electric music. You know, you guys aren't just doing sort of a bluegrass festival out here. It's, right. I mean, it's full on, like a full on festival vibe. You know what I mean? I think, how do you adjust to the rain sometimes? And like, how have you sort of learned from those? Like I can attest, we actually played a show, uh, I think it was in 19, that you'd booked out for us and we opened up and it was like 104 degrees it was just terrible i don't know if you remember that i do yeah, it was like I yeah was a be, that be, first being, being grateful yeah, show it was out a be, there, being yeah. grateful and i and remember they're, like, they're gonna be at our fourth of july event out there awesome. too but and they're so good yeah but i, but I remember I, like, I remember that well too just because that uh what's really cool about the dead tribute band like that is you see like three generations people you'll see young kids and you'll see grandparents and stuff and with it being that hot i think you know anybody over 40 was not out it was dangerous all. i mean we, we remember we were like prepping and we we're just like drinking water and like we're just like oh man like because we were playing a little earlier too and yeah, so like and there was like, a band after you guys so they at least weren't in the sun there was a little sun I but like that. It was but it was one like of those things outside but then we start playing and we're like oh we're okay and then just and then it just thunderstormed like it was like in the middle of the set completely changed up so where we ended up like not even finishing our set it was like a what a weird like whirlwind of weather yeah. to go from like so hot I might pass out to now it's raining I have to go find shelter you know it's sort of but that's the beauty of that too I mean sort of I like that idea because you can't predict those variables I think a big part of music is trying to still cater to bands and sometimes you go in the hole right but in the end if you're if you love it enough you feel like the dedication is going to come back around absolutely so you can take a loss but you're going to make that game in the future because you stayed to your word yeah you kept up to your bargain or whatever that would be you know I think that was (laughs) That is hard. I we talked about doing a festival here in BG at uh, City Park. And I wanted to bring in a couple bands, and I was kind of like working through guarantees and how I work. And then a part of me realized like, what would happen if it just was the worst weather and everything's canceled? Would I tell these bands to go home? That's really hard. You know what I mean? So I ended up canceling it because I was like, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to deal with that yet. There's someone who has a skill set who knows how to deal with that. <laughs> those variables, you know, in some ways. So, so what are the th- some other things that sort of present themselves as problems in that? And booking festivals outside of the weather and things like that. I mean, what's sort of in the money? Like, what's sort of like the 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 real issues you've come across and maybe learned from? Even um, just sort of- the the biggest thing that I've learned is hungry people don't work very hard. So most people don't feed volunteers very well at mm-hmm. festivals, especially smaller ones. You know, there might be a green room tent with you know a cooler of water and a bananas or something like that. But we've always really we learned that like the first or second year somebody told me that that had been doing festivals for a long time and we were making a joke at another festival and he just looked at me and he said hungry people don't like to work hard and you know I kind of struck a chord and I was like you know he's really right and I'm like so we always go like above and beyond with our spread for our staff and for our volunteers and for band members you know what I mean that's always good incentive for even bands that we you know want to pay more money but sure. can't obviously have an unlimited budget but is at least we have you know food is real man is free it? booze yeah. and free food we yeah. usually you know smoke a lot of meat and have vegetarian options too yeah, so yeah. that that's one thing that people probably don't even you know average music fan might not think about or someone that doesn't work in the I appreciate that. industry like that yeah well here place here grounds like grounds for thought here who, who's put on put on shows for years and one of the unique aspects of that is every time we've played there they have this little space and there's always good food in there pizza drinks desserts maybe some chinese just mixing it up and there's like because they're not able to provide as much money as you maybe could they i mean they still do their own thing but there is something about that it's like it must makes you feel like they care about you more even just handing a check even like feeding you absolutely almost feels a little more like inviting even more so that like you're part of something and not just hey i'm paying you to work right you know and you know get out of here in the sense like that so 
So what we for for food though too with we've kind of worked that with sponsors here and there because the only paid sponsor that we have is the shed the head shed mm-hmm. and we really appreciate that they've been with us since the second year but oh, really they're our only paid sponsor that we have so every other sponsor um, we kind of do a trade or especially maybe food like I've done that with Pizza Cat before and mm-hmm. like Fernando's and Grand Rapids and other things we'll work out a trade and get their logo out and sure. some promotion and then they provide food to the bands and then obviously. Um, you know, it's free it's marketing for them. Yeah. So then the band members come back and get their food on their own time. So sure. that, that's worked out well, too, for some of these local businesses, and we really appreciate it. And I know, you know, that's better than doing nothing, not working together at all, making a trade like that, especially in the last year and everything that's been going on. Sure. So how do you so, – so let's kind of get into more, like, the promotion side of it. Because that, that's – I mean, you can pay all these bands, you can have the space, but if you can't get people to show up, right? Yeah. I mean, so I would say if you're going to just stop and – and throw a music festival you need at least six to eight months like like mi- minimum i mean maybe more than that for planning mm-hmm. because the first year that we did sacred harvest i know trino leaves was there that very first yeah. year um that was travis alex and me and alex and travis are the two partners that i have that put on sacred harvest and uh they played in the band wax tastic that mm-hmm. was around for a couple years and um you know we when we started this which it was four years ago now. I mean, we literally had the idea like right now, like four years ago. Like it was like 90 days away. And it's like, hey, let's throw a music festival. Yeah. And like we had some friends like, do you guys like know what it takes to throw a music festival? And Travis was he's like, you know, I've been to a lot of these over the last 10 years. Like I kind of do. Yeah. And he said, people think he's joking. But no, it's like we really kind of did have an idea. But I mean, we pushed it so hard for those two months. I mean, we probably gave out 3,000 flyers and put up like 100 posters and went everywhere, you know? Yeah. And we had like 150 or 200 people show up and we actually broke even and it was like, what? Because yeah. I hear about people throwing festivals. And like, you're not, year you're one, yeah, year one, get out of here. Yeah, exactly. Make one, you're lucky, sure. you know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. That, that was really interesting to see. I mean, obviously we don't have that timetable now. We obviously start like, we started planning the second one like a week or two after, like after that the first one. First yeah. one yeah. yeah. The but Blackstone Arts Festival operates the same way. So, I mean, you're, you're being smart about it. That is true. Like, you almost yeah. have to start thinking about... When, but when you're first starting out, too, you know, you don't have a, as big of, like, a crowd or a built-in community already. We're like, there's always been a really strong Ohio music scene. Acoustic Kuka just had 30-year anniversary. Um, yeah. I was down there on Saturday. But Dayton's always had a really strong music scene, too. And there's people that have thrown smaller festivals that have been really successful for a while, too, down there. So, it's always kind of been there. But, like, I think you mentioned that in our first little couple minutes is there wasn't there hasn't really been an outlet for anything like that northwest ohio specifically festivals like they they don't really do much downtown and there's a lot of music history here too you know art tatum one of the most if not some people say the famous most famous jazz pianist of all time was one greatest ever ohio yeah yeah and you know there's no jazz festival in nothing no i don't even know know even a jazz club i don't know there's one toledo maybe it's up in like there used to be a couple i know sylvania or something it's it's usually more outside of the city sometimes they're developing ford industry square downtown and there used to be a jazz club in the basement down there i don't remember what it was called but that's been years since that's been around so that's always makes I don't know. I, I think about things like that sometimes too. And like Wayne, who owns the land at the Po Road Music Sanctuary, he's always he's always felt the same way about it. And he's played music in the area, but you know he's more of a musician too. And he he does his best throwing Wayne's stock. And yeah. I, I like to help him as much as I can too. Now that uh, he's given us the opportunity to do events out there, For sure. you know what I mean? Yeah. Is it's all about doing it with the right people at the end of the day, man. That that's really what it comes down to. Having the right intentions too. I mean, if you're when you start a festival, I would say having you know what what are your intentions like? That's a Wayne kind of like interior. That's important, man. It is. Even I talk about. He he likes what we had to say though. It wasn't just like, oh, we want to party, make a bunch of money. That's not what it was about. You know what I mean? That's really important, man. I'm glad you said that because I that's something you you have to have that conversation with sometimes with a band too. Like, why did you start this band? Right? Sometimes you gotta like get to the 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 initial concept of why did you do this? Right? Like, yeah. With me, Trinity leaves. It was literally like me and my wife at the time were just like let's just do some improvisational ambient stuff and hit record okay like that was what the band doesn't there's nothing like that now really right Right. you wouldn't assume that but there's something pure about that that in the end it was just about sound and exploration and just making stuff and being spontaneous about it overthinking it you know whereas some people start a band it's like i'm just trying to get laid like, like, uh, you got an acoustic guitar. My buddy can kind of sing cool. Right. You know, like I, I've actually, there's some bands are like, you're like, Oh no, that's your story. Shit. All right. I'm like kind of embarrassed for you. Whatever. I mean, you're not, you guys don't seem that bad, but that's, that is important. Yeah. Like it isn't, Hey, I'm just trying to get 
to party, right? That's part right. of it for sure. We jump, we just jumped in, man. The first Sacred Harvest we did would have been September 2017. And this was about six months after Travis and I met. And within three months of meeting, we decided to plan and throw a festival. And we promoted it and did it all in less than 90 days. And a couple hundred people showed up. And it kind of shocked all of us a little bit. Cause it's like, what, what do you do if you actually have six months of planning behind it, et cetera, et cetera. And it's just kind of grown from there where, you know, you get other musicians and people come from Chicago and other places and all around the Midwest. And they're just like, I want to come back here and play. You know, there's something just organic about having music in someone's backyard. But we don't want to forget where we came from. Like people will ask me sometimes, when, when, you, when are you going to move Sacred Harvest? You're going to get too big for this place. And I always tell them that there won't be a Sacred Harvest if it's not here. So let's, uh, let's talk more about just the festival scene in general. I, uh, I, mean, I can actually say my first show ever was The Grateful Dead. 12 years old, no idea what was going on. Uh, my dad I, had awesome, friends. Dad had friends who were like, this, they were a married couple who were like cheerleaders for OSU, like just deadheads, like from the seventies. And so they were like, "We're going to see the Grateful Dead." I remember I was like, "Okay." Where he bought me like a, a tie dye shirt. I didn't know why. I was just like, "Cool, this looks pretty sweet." But I remember I saw him at like uh, Richfield Coliseum. I don't know if you're familiar, but this yeah. is like, yeah, old. Yeah, I mean, I've never been there, but yeah, I've but heard it was it. like I saw some in basketball games back there. Uh, but saw the dead, and. I still remember that, and it wasn't what, a festival. What year would that this been? was like Not this is with Jerry. No, this is with Jerry yeah, still. So I, I was like, yeah, it was like ninety two. No. Yeah, I didn't think you would have brought it up. Yeah, like ninety two. That's awesome, somewhere dude. in there, right? And but all I remember was like they had the wall of drums, and they they were doing that shit. I don't remember anything else like from that night other than that, and that's all I took away. That's super cool. Though, but it kind of planted a seed in me, like for someone that it's not drawn to. And Nestle wasn't for a long time even jam band music or what that means even sort of for that to be my first concert It's kind of wild, right? And I, I've never really been to a lot of festivals itself So that's why I want to talk to you about the festival scene because I really Haven't been to any other than the some a handful I've played, you know And so I think I've always felt like an outsider in some ways in that scene, but also I like, always felt strangely at home so I think like To me the most positive aspect of the, of the festival scene is really that community aspect. I don't see it anywhere else. You know, this, there is that sort of, I don't know what. Definitely. Wh where do you think that comes from? I mean, what, what is that sort of family aspect uh, of it? Is it, it, is it the music? I mean, I mean, the music's it, obviously part of it, you know? I, I think that it's just all of it put together. You know what I mean? It's, it's m music, but it's multiple bands, multiple just everything about coming together you know what i mean nothing else matters when you're in the festival and that's that like it's kind of like shutting off people, the rest of the world in some ways right well, like yeah hey, i'm gonna I'm and, kinda that, and that's what i feel like this. that's what i always struggled with growing up like i my mind moves a, a mile a minute like so fast just f too fast you know what i mean always new ideas and stuff like that so like music was kind of always an escape for me mm -hmm. so i i can i can how you describe that definitely uh resonates with i think that's part of the of that is it, there is that escapism of it right i definitely. think that that can also lead you into some other issues with even drug abuse right. and stuff because there's that correlation the music itself is almost a psychedelic in itself or even that sort of disassociating from but finding well, like this it, sort of space music is universal language they say too you yeah. know what i mean and the fact that you're like outside on land that you know people have been around for six thousand plus years like all yeah. that kind of goes into you know having the very cool venue that even, we have right even down the nature street itself here. too right i mean that's oh really absolutely a hundred percent i think a lot of us are removed from the idea of well, how but nature's role I, in music too it's I, like oh you see music in a club or a theater or a sports nature, arena nature there's no like, trees in a sports arena that, that's I mean? the most so, lacking medicine honestly yeah. is like sunshine and nature man people don't go outside enough they really don't even if it's just a walk and get fresh air man yeah. i mean that that really is the most under prescribed and underutilized vitamin that we have is the sun yeah. so something about being outside in the sun and yeah. you know with your friends making new friends but everyone's just always so positive too and go lucky and just has like i don't know my girl and i went to vegas for her birthday like a couple months ago and she enjoyed it more than she thought cause she's not a gambler really at all mm -hmm. and uh she, she just said she's like i can see why you like it so much too she's just like it's like festival energy She's like, it's just nothing else matters. There's people from all walks of life that have, you know, they want us to think that there's all these, you know, issues in America, and there are some, but at the same time, when I was in Vegas, you see people of every color hanging out and partying together. And there's no, I didn't see one fight. I didn't see any problems at all. Yeah. So 
it, that was that was kind of interesting to hear her make that correlation. But I, I do kind of see it like, you know, everyone's there to shut everything else off. You're in Vegas. <laughs> it is. No, I mean, they're sort of like, uh, I think for me, I've always Just living in the moment. It is music. And I think that's the art of like even that teaches people to live improvisation, in the right? Heavily. A lot of this music is improvised. Absolutely. What is that? Absolutely. That is in the moment, right? It is and trying that's to something my, my both of my brothers are actually into the this music too which is very cool because we've shared some you know festival experiences and show experiences together like that my i think my brother phil who's my middle brother he, he i remember him saying that when he first got into it and he's just like you know he's like at the end of the day he's like i kind of feel like it takes it, it takes more work or it almost is more it's hit he just said he felt that people that played improvisation music were more talented almost because they're playing something different i don't know if you say more talented but it's kind of like what what jerry used to say about like you know, being having a different show and all that kind of stuff. It's like we're not performers. Like yeah. performers play the same set every single night, and yeah. that's why people follow the dead around like they did. You know, you went to yeah, five or weird. six straight Beatles or Rolling Stones show. You probably saw the same one eventually. Yeah, why would it be list. a little strange, right? Like, Nobody follows the same like movie that. every night, right? But yeah, you all those factors that. went into it, and that's yeah. living in the moment, like you said. You know, sure. when you're on the stage, it's it's where the music going. You know, yeah. there's not a direction to it. There <laughs> is, but it can go in a lot of different directions. I think and that feeds into the energy off the crowd too. And, you know, sure. that goes into the whole festival thing. There is that back and forth, really. I think, yeah, you, that's the crowd interaction, I think, is feeding. It's not as much like sing along. I mean, there is a lot, actually, a lot of that. I think that's something I actually enjoy about a lot of the bands that fall into the festival scene is you sort of have this sing along quality when it's the verse chorus, but then, and then everyone's excited for when they drop off and go into the improvisations. Yeah. You know, it's sort Absolutely. of like you're always kind of perplexed how many. People know a lot of this material, right? Even yeah. Like word for word. I know like Fish was always one of those bands where you're just like, how do you guys know all these lyrics? Yeah, it's pretty silly. <laughs> yeah. you know? Most of it's just nonsense too. You know, it's right. really sort of fun stuff. But I think, I think what I like about the jam scene, especially with us as a band, is that even though we don't, we're not a jam band, we're a band who jams, right? There's a little difference yeah. between what that is. But I think but what we do is that we, every show is different and that's what I do appreciate it where there is sort of there's a draw to want to see a performer Definitely. it's almost like the jazz world too right there's that correlation a lot yeah. of jazz stuff was like you're playing standards right but what's he going to do tonight with, right. the, with those few well, bars they, right they you know, and that's something like you say oh I was there that night that he tried something out Yeah. or you were there when it just sounded terrible too there's that option like, there's not all improvisation and sounds great you know let's be there's real there's stories, some place for it there's a lot of stories too of like Jerry and some of the other Grateful Dead members like being in jazz clubs on their nights off on tour just hanging out and being that a regular person. That makes total person. sense, right? Yeah. Even being, that's who they were inspired by, right? Yeah. That's where they it's, were just it's like, interesting. Man, like, look what he's doing out there, you know, sort of that. There's, yeah. a, there's a circle there too relative to even improvisation and like world music, funk, Afro beat, uh, a lot of that stuff people don't realize the amount of like improvisation that's in that stuff yeah, too, absolutely. really. The horn sections, you know. Uh, it's like trying to break the mold of what people see as jam music yeah right? you absolutely. sometimes you don't realize you're Ab watching it and you're like wait a second wait you're like you are watching a little absolutely. bit of jam show right now, that's too. what i try to tell people when they're kind of on the fence or they're they, they, they don't think they're in a certain scene so they can't go to a certain festival or whatever you know yeah. what i mean i always tell people that too just like something there you're gonna you're gonna dig man I exactly really think that's true yeah and that's just going back to living in the moment being open-minded you know yeah you got to be open-minded to, to, to partake in a lot of that music because it pushes you to be open-minded too, right? Right. It, it takes time. I tell people that it's like just yeah. there's a whole universe of music that a lot of people never even know exists. And that's all of us, I guess, to a degree. Yeah. But, you know, there's a lot more people that never, ever explore yeah. any of that like stuff, for me, mostly, which is interesting. Like what I knew was like, oh, when Jimmy Page, when I was a kid, it was like, oh, man, I guess like Jimmy Page just did like a 10-minute solo. Like that was the extent of my sort of improvisation knowledge, you know? Yeah. Which, and he was doing what was an extension of jazz and then what the dad yeah. was doing and other things too. But I think uh, I've always loved improvisational music, but I love bands that are able to kind of do both at the same time. Yeah, definitely. So let's, talk, let's talk a little bit about like what types of bands that you go after for these festivals and like what that you kind of, I really try to diversify stuff, man. Like I try to get some bluegrass in there too, or just, mm -hmm. you know, bands that other people might not see. I mean, at this end of it, harvest is really like a local thing. And I do like to have a lot of, local bands and uh 
I mean, going back to the culture too, though, you kind of mentioned before, Ohio does have just really strong music culture in general, specifically festival culture. Yeah. There's not many festivals that have been going on for 25 plus years, like Hookahville, where literally they throw two of them a year sure. and they still have a couple thousand people show up to them. Yeah. There used to be a lot more people that showed up to them in the early 2000s, but the fact that... You think that's because there's still, more places to go now too, where it used to be just Hookahville, hey, yes, right? You yes know what I mean? and no. They've just had a lot of different you know, member changes over the years and all sorts of different things like that nature. But just the fact that they're still going strong and have the following that they do shows you how deeply like rooted festival connection is in Ohio. And then not just them, but then the works too. I mean, they, they threw their 10th workout in 2019. That festival was always top notch lineups. I mean, I got the chance to work for them the last year and help out the guy that runs the whole thing. And it was an awesome experience for me, but, um, yeah. So there's always kind of been that, you know, there's not it, it, people always say that too that like pass through they're not from Ohio they're like you guys have so many festivals here like even smaller ones they're just like there's something going on every weekend yeah. and that's something else that when you go to throw a festival you need to be super conscious of what else is going on right 110% I mean, that's a real because people one, right? used to always me they're like you trying to compete with Black Swamp and I'm like no but I'm not trying to make the weekend another jam festival two hours south you know what I mean and that was yeah. kind of the issue that we ran into so yeah. this year's Sacred Harvest is not going to be the same weekend as Black Swamp if Black Swamp happens so that's awesome that is hard man that's even something me trying to book shows for us I've always had try to be aware of what else is going on either. yeah like you all it's are doing tough, stuff man. what's going it's on downtown tough. There's some like DIY, uh, like shack, something like the summit shack was here and they were doing stuff. So it was always this thing of trying not, cause it's, there's not that many people. So like any competition is like hard, you know? And yeah. so it's like, and you can't expect people to like, you don't even want people to have to choose sometimes. It'd be better. No, absolutely just, uh, not. You know, like we are the one option for ways to, you know, explore music this, this week or this month or something like that. And it seems like Ohio has a lot of small festivals that really start within the last like like say even five years even sort of contemporaries no, for what yeah, you're doing definitely. you know what i mean i think i see a lot more now. i know may days i think was around about nine years i don't know if they're still doing that um the same guys that put that on put on festivus which is like a one night winter thing they do every year down near columbus or dayton but that would have been the 10th festivus last december and that's always the saturday before christmas festivus for the rest of us so <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think it is about like like why Ohio, right? I mean, I've lived in Ohio my whole life. I feel like I know this state pretty well. I, you know, in many ways, people know Ohio as being the sort of cover band capital of like the planet. You know, no, it's true, right? You want to go up, you want to see a cover band? Well, come on down to the heart of it all because we got it. You know, it's sort of like there's a lot of those especially if you go up north from here too, towards the lake, man. It's just like a utopian cover. Like yeah. you've got like covers weaving all into each other, right? Yeah, like you've got like Tom Petty weaving into like some other shit. You know, you're just like, good lord, what's going on? Like, where are the original bands? And I think. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's what, what I've always put an emphasis on too, man. Because yeah. um, like we always want original acts. Maybe that's why there's been a lot of festivals in Ohio, because like there's there hasn't the club scene has always sort of been more towards the that's, the cover that's bands, interesting. the bar scene. And yeah, like, I like, know. Shit, I can't do this. I know Toledo's market has definitely been more geared to that. You know what I mean? You get certain money guarantees, and you know the bands that play other bands' music get double the money, which you know make, like, makes you, it makes you wonder. Too. You're like, what the heck? It makes is going it on, makes you wonder. Yeah, there's a real demand for listening to the same song that you hear in the car on the way there, I guess. And that's a skill set. <laughs> not to take anything away from it. If you do it no, well, man, like you put the not, work in. Man. I saw a cover band in Lakewood uh, years ago. And man, I never, like, but, I was blown away. Like, each singer would actually be like, oh, I'm the guy who can sing like this guy. And a lot of the skilled like, ones, like, wow. do them, they'll play them in different ways you've never heard them. Like, yeah. our, my vendor coordinator, his dad finally came out to the last event out at Poe Roto just a week or two ago. And he complimented Wayne's band Legends and said, like, he, he, he was going to leave only after, like, one song. He stayed around. Yeah. And they do, like, Queen and Zeppelin and Pink Floyd. And he's just, like, he was raving on to me before he left. Like, I didn't start the conversation. He's like, yeah. I've never seen that song by Queen played that way this and that blah, blah, and he was just going on and on compliment way and i was yeah. like that's awesome like seeing stuff like that little things like that's what sure. keep me going you know what i mean especially through a long weekend of work like that so I, I i get that yeah it's like that the cover music can almost give you this sort of it can like send you back in time you yeah know? it's well, like a, it's the, like a, it's the, like a magic trick almost you're just the like dead, oh the i'm dead, back there the again. dead did a lot of covers too and they did some that they kind yeah. of made famous where people don't realize their yeah. covers to begin with which that's is funny. funny my wife mentioned once uh fish did a cover of a talking head song once and she had no idea and she was like that song was great and then like you know weeks later she's like oh shit that was a talking head song i don't even know you know what i mean <laughs> yep. i love that kind of stuff i think it was called something it's cities like find myself a city of living yeah. great song or whatever but absolutely uh, i think uh you know, we've dabbled oh. in covers a little bit. You know, part of me does like it, but there's other part of you just you're a little like cynical about it, just because yeah. of what, what way Ohio is. Like I say, I have friends who 
were in, you know, from BG area who did were in this band called Crazy Eddie and they did originals for years. Great band. But then they all decided, hey, we're going to do covers. And now they go up to the, and they're making a couple grand a week, in a weekend or something, you know. But it takes work. I mean, to know 40, 50 oh, songs, I mean, more than that. You might even know 100 songs or something. You know, Absolutely. Seen, you know, which is so, I do appreciate that. You got to buy all the equipment that, like, makes you sound the same because you can't show up there with just some, some like, Yamaha right. keyboard and be trying to pull it off, you know. There is yeah. some things. Like, our, uh, our percussionist does stuff with SOS. I don't know if you're familiar with. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Billy's been on a couple yeah, of times. Do Absolutely. projections and like that. And he ended up getting a gig recently doing, like, uh, some spilling stuff for a, a Doors cover band. And, like. That's he was, super cool. And he was, like, they literally bought the same equipment, like, the drums, the that's keyboard, awesome. the microphone See, that he's yeah, singing into. That, like, they did the research. And I was, like, that does help. Like, I mean. Oh, it definitely does. I mean, learning the licks is one thing, but having the yeah. real, that, that that tone or whatever one of my friends cool. band wanted to do a doors tribute set and he was telling me like he just kind of what you were just saying going into detail about like, that's that. how like, you it's gotta not, do it yeah. he's got the voice down too and they have yeah. a keys player but it's just kind of like yeah you don't want to just whiff that one especially you know you almost got to play the part you got to almost yeah. become them you know for that yeah. certain music it's tough to pull you, off you had but. brought up the talking heads though fish doing a cover um we haven't announced this yet, but we'll just do it right now. Bacano at Sacred Harvest is going to do um, a full Talking Heads tribute set. <laughs> that sounds fantastic. Yeah. I might have to jump so, in. I might have to jump in on that. I might talk to them. That sounds there's great. There's some incentive for people ah. that are listening. Oh, that's sounds great. Harvest news. That's yeah, so we good. We did no. release the lineup already, you know, obviously. We, so. I'm going to call Adam Rice out on this one because <laughs> I love Adam. And I remember he was always rip on me because I, he was like, Talking Heads, he's just like, whatever. And I'm just like, and now, you, and now you guys are gonna do an entire Talking Heads like cover that's a, funny. A set. That's great. Cause that's damn. That's a sleeper. That's one of my favorite bands. I don't know. It's yeah. Those, like, no, I think people it'll don't be understand perfect. how they jam. That band yeah. fucking jam. It'll be it really out. good like, dance music too for later yeah, tonight. Like that, I think it'll they, be perfect. That band held it down. I mean, they they turned into like a nine piece, just funk <laughs> explosion. I mean, just lots of cocaine. I'm sure. Like it just seemed like there's one video of Bernie Worrell like playing synth and like does a line like off the thing. And you're like, whatever. It's fine. Like, <laughs> It's in the concert film too. And you're like, they're probably like, whatever. We don't have another cut. You know what I mean? But it was yeah. like, you know, it was the eighties, but that's, that's good to hear though. Like bands trying to do something unique. I think that's part of like what we did with, um, we did a concept record recently. And so we performed that whole thing front to back at Howard's last year. And part of us are trying to do that more in the festival scene too, to try to do more yeah. of that is sort of like, it's Hey, just, the front half of our set's going to be this just to provide that experience. I think sometimes you don't yeah. want to just hear songs at a festival. You want to have something that you remember. I think the first Sacred Harvest, we played the first four songs off Dark, Dark Side of the Moon, actually. That. Yeah. yeah, that was awesome. And I'm still sad that there's no like footage of that somewhere or like some audio, because I was like... Man, there probably is. I hope if there. you have some of that somewhere, please send it to I me. Don't I don't know what it, do. if you know someone. I, like, I honestly, everything from the second one and on, I can get a soundboard of, but that first, uh, the first one was yeah. somebody different doing yeah. that production that we haven't used since then. But that then, was still so my favorite one. Besides the couple videos that I got here and there, I don't think yeah. there's much besides pictures from the first year. It was like one of those things where we just we all spaced, I think, and we're like... No, that dude, was like, perfect no one weather, though, man. Oh, it was that like the sun was coming down. I remember it was kind of like... Yeah. though, that whole day. Oh, that, that was, was nice. great first year. Corn in the background. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a blast. We are at the Poe Road Music Sanctuary, which is located on Poe Road, just south of Grand Rapids, Ohio. So the property owner has been doing music out here since 2011. One of the bands that I worked with, a drummer Travis and I met, and if we would have never met, we wouldn't be standing here right now. It's as simple as that. Travis's dad, Tim, is best friends with the landowner. They've known each other since four or five years old. So it's very, 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 you know, homegrown to the T. And um, I went through some dark times probably like six, seven years ago, and when I got back into music and everything I had missed over the years, it really inspired me. And, after I finally, you know, worked up the courage to start my own business and get get into doing what I love to do, it kind of just fell into place. It's not work to me. As much as it is draining work, it's not work to me. That's what makes it all worth it. So what's your sort of like starting point with like reach out to artists? I mean, what is that? We, yeah, we got Octave Cat as a headliner for Harvest this year, and that's a collaboration of Lotus's bass player and then Dope Pot's keyboard player okay. and then it's one of their friends uh, Charlie P and it's like a kind of jazz trio but like pure improvisation like right. really kind of stretch things out and, and then but booking bands like that you know where Lotus and Dope Pot are both national acts it's like is there going to be a weekend or a day that you could normally get them and yeah. Dope Pot for whatever reason was free so I kind of started looking in looking that way but you just never know man that that's it's like throwing 
darts almost like because you just start scratching things off you have one id and send one email and it's like ah oh, that was a that's cool idea out. never mind you know yeah. so yeah that's complicated i mean i think it's like you you had this list of what you you have sort of a pool of things like all right here's like here's yeah, 25 we, we kind I, I can of only get 12 like or something just because i i book most of the bands like alex and travis really help with like the operations of the festival alex okay. does like all of our online stuff our website cool online ticketing like uh, marketing graphics all that kind of stuff so we all kind of have you know a role travis is in charge of all the volunteers and then i'm kind of you know in the middle going both ways back home of everything so it it, it works but like we'll kind of discuss that just because they like to have some input too on bands and it's like well we got you know these couple options or these dates are open it's like who would you guys prefer who do you think would draw better it all kinds of goes into it but at the end of the day we just want to give a unique experience to everyone compliments it too man just getting so many people i probably met six or seven people at the cookout a week ago and they said i live in toledo and i've never been out here this is awesome yeah. and to hear that it's like wow you know it's you've been doing this for a few years now but it's still slowly catching out people are finding out about it. it's like i don't have to drive two or three hours to see a legitimate show yeah. you know just get that a legitimate festival experience it is legit that's the thing I too think like it pulls more into that too because yeah. it literally is in someone's backyard like this yeah. this guy you know, with his friends and help of other people build yeah. a stage in their backyard and they're hosting legitimate, you know, shows yeah. with legitimate production level and legitimate bands. I think that's the thing that's really like the selling point of is when you when you do arrive, you realize the quality of music. It isn't just sort of a bunch of sort of garage bands. Kind right. Of it's not, it, it's you know not I mean? just like, a $20 party. And so it's not a $20 party. Those exist, out. you know, and those are fine. And right. Okay, oh, yeah, absolutely. Know, but, but there is at, this, at the core of it is like we are we are providing music at a, at a really high level. Right. And hopefully, if we're able to and try to, you know, I always want to start because I just try to always want to bring in acts that people aren't going to see. You know what I mean? Yeah. A lot of people probably haven't ever seen Octave Cat or might not get chances. They don't play that many shows. We they don't travel in, too. Like some people are two national doing, acts, though. You know that you got to yeah. deal with those schedules. That's like so the uniqueness of where you're located. I mean, you're sort of being promoter and booking, creating a festival. Like what? Like what's the advantage of being? In, Northwest Ohio in the Black Swamp, right? Not everybody might think that this is really a great place to be trying to do stuff, right? Yeah, I guess, uh, you know, the old saying, if you build it, they will come. Uh, <laughs> that's actually too stupid. That's like, that makes two, the cornfields is a little weird right there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's like, they was, that's where like some guy with a guitar comes out, like, you guys are playing? <laughs> you know, you're just like, oh man. <laughs> but yeah, we have, it, it is a unique market, like regional market compared to the rest of Ohio. You know what I mean? And like we talked about earlier, Toledo is a lot smaller than other cities, you know. Cincinnati has over like three million people in their metropolitan sure. area. Like Columbus and Cleveland both have like two and a half million plus. Toledo's got about like six hundred thousand. So, you know, we are only an hour from Detroit though, and we're close to Michigan. We're not far from Fort Wayne. So we've kinda noticed that too. We get a lot more we we've booked some more Michigan bands though too. We're like, you know, Ohio festivals that are smaller, kinda our size down south wouldn't be booking Michigan bands just because whether they don't know them or they just don't know them as well as us being closer in proximity. Obviously, Michigan bands play Toledo more often. So yeah. it's just kind of happened over time. But we've tried to use it to our advantage, too, and get, you know, give other people opportunities. That's what I love doing. That's I told somebody else this, my, my buddy that kind of is in the industry, and we were talking, and he does a festival, and he's throwing another event this year. But I just told him, you know, the worst part of the job is, like, telling people no and being just being like, you know, I, your band is amazing and I want them to be on the bill but like I don't have 25 spots I have like 15 maybe 14 yeah. and so you know playing longer sets too in the jam scene a lot of bands want to play a 90 minute to two hour set so then you sure. got to count that into and everything so that that's like the worst part about it honestly which sucks because we know so many talented friends and musicians and they all know yeah. other amazing artists and I mean, everything it's, it's, too it's always so. competition for headspace and ear time and all those things you know it's sort Definitely. of it comes down to that no matter what it is sort of a competition i think i would hope that what you're usually looking for with artists are one dependability right accountability show up players play your music the right way because there's that's the something that i don't know if you've come across like even issues of booking bands that just weren't on they weren't professional or weren't yeah it, it happens you know what sometimes. i mean like, probably rare but i think that's something that it does happen you know there's that culture of sometimes we're like yeah just like, having i'm just so good or something yeah, some ego or whatever it'd be. yeah people think they're too good to promote or stuff like that too i don't yeah. know we've had and i mean it's not a band's job to promote the show but at the end of the day when we talk about it up front too and like you know, it's like, hey, this show's been booked for four months. We've had poster art, and you, you share it, like, twice it. the week of the show. And it's, like, not yeah. exactly what we were looking for. at the Because yeah. at the end of the day, we're all, like, staring at our phones for a lot longer than we want to all admit. So sure. 
you know, you can at least make like some posts. Cause I mean, as a, that means a lot. As I mean, someone in a band, it's like, why would you not want to hype up the festival that you're yeah. playing at, especially like a unique venue like that? Cause that's what, I mean, that's what I call, it. I say it's Ohio's most intimate music setting, intimate music venue. Um, we can, if you think there's one more instrument, show me and I'll go. <laughs> I mean, people sit there and literally listen and watch. And yeah, it's awesome. Watch. It's I mean, they, awesome, dance, they dance and stuff too, but there yeah, is that. Yeah, very attentive. That's something about this area. Respectful I think. crowd, you know. Like Grounds has a great sort of a uh, reputation for that too, people where people clean like up after themselves out there yeah. too, man. We've never had any issues with that, which I mean, I've heard nightmares. That's and great to hear. Nightmares, yeah, because that could be bad. Festivals, like, yeah. you, like you want to spend all that time after three days of hard work to go pick up after right. people, right? That's exactly. not really the ideal thing, you know. Yeah, that's like, I don't know. I think a big thing for me, like that I appreciate about what you do is that you do, it's like you're, you do promote, you want people to be there. There's like, there's a lot of times when you work with promoters and bookers, they're like, Hey, I gave you a night. And they're like, that was all, that was all the work they had to do. Yeah. I gave you the space. And there's a lot of venues that don't even post about the events. Yeah. It's, it's like, yeah, it's almost like, that's the most frustrating It's almost just bizarre. Is, I'm like, you, you know? literally like, even sometimes they'll just give you a one post. Excuse they're me. like, here, there's one post here. This band's playing yeah, on this that, night at 8 really PM. And you're like, cool. Thanks. Whatever. Part. Like, Cause like, why do you host music? Why are you even have it? Yeah, like promote it. The more people are there, then the more money is spent, I hear you, dude. and then you can maybe pay us more. It's like it's Absolutely. just really, you know, I'm supposed to, and then you want me to, even though you're not paying me for my time you want me to, to promote it, it. Right. It's very strange, you know. It's like I've done a lot of. There's a point where I can. Almost, I almost joked where it was like I, when I was putting posters downtown, I was like I was the only one, and then like and then you, I was like I'd see like <laughs> I'd see Frogtown shit, and then they reach me release poster, and I'm just like. Why am I, why yeah. are these the only people who are really showing up and just shoving materials in and doing, per, walking around and just meeting people, man. like yeah. saying hi. Stubborn persistence over the last four years. So I, I respect that. It's not just this online thing where you're just up. like, like you show up, you, you, you put the, the hard work in, you, you, you drop off flyers. Like that's, no one's going to come to the show if they don't know what's happening. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, there's not even that complex, right? At least yeah. they, if they don't no, have. there's not, dude. There's not. They're not going to just magically go. Oh, there's a festival at Poe Road today. Like, yeah, and I mean, you we don't, I mean? Like, we don't have like a street team or anything at all. Like, we literally do everything ourselves. Yeah. I mean, we've been doing that for a few years, <clears throat> yeah. but I'm not saying that in a negative or bad way, but just. But for me to ask someone to put my poster in your window, I, I need to have that relationship too. So you respect right. me. You're like, oh, this is this. All right, this they're not messing yeah. around. Like, the this one is thing like, too, at least, it, I feel like a lot of businesses around town, especially the head shops and stuff, they're at least really supportive of local music, where most of them aren't. I had an issue one year where. I think it was word of mouth or black castle they like tried to tell me i had to pay him 50 dollars to hang up a poster after i like hung up a poster six months before and it wasn't an issue and it's just yeah. like well you can hang them up at literally any other head shop like i didn't think it'd be that big of a deal but i mean that's that was three or four years ago I, it just caught me off guard because in the five years of doing this i've never like cer that's certain, a weird one certain like places that. you know like you're not just gonna hang some up a Kroger or whatever. They probably don't want to hang in there yeah. anyways. But it's yeah. like at, at a head shop or like an art gallery, or a certain place like that where you know you share a lot of the same mutual like clientele. It's yeah. just like why why can't I hang this up? Well, there's less and less space for those things now too. I think that's been I've realized even over the last ten years of me being a band of like the amount of places to physically put up stuff when you're not relying entirely on digital and, and yeah, social media. And Facebook's algorithms are so ridiculous. They're rough, man. So like sometimes I'm like I'd much rather at They're least super like rough. Yeah, like and, and to pay for that stuff. I like the still story, dude. I've know? been using my store, just really? posting on stories. Even if you yeah. have a band, because you can do a story on Facebook, Twitter, everything now. And it's like, yeah. it's still up for 24 hours. I don't know how the algorithms work, but you're at least going to get probably 50 or 100 people that see it. Yeah. So because even if it's the same people, you know, maybe you'll get a new one one day. And that one day you don't post is the day yeah. you would have saw I had five people do it. But just that, yeah, you know. Yeah, it's like the lost stubborn persistence. But it, uh, yeah, like I say, I appreciate. It. I mean, that's something that is something that in anything. I mean, I've had to be stubborn, persistent with this band. I mean, there's no way we've we keep going unless I'm persistent. Yeah, I mean, that's sort of man. lineup changes, pandemic, just anything, getting married, family life, all these things. There's always these things that get in the way. There can be excuses to not do something, you know. And so, but at the end of the day, if you're just doing the hard work, you're showing up talking to people it's probably going to be successful i mean it had to be a big part of what you're doing is just i don't know i just see too many stuff where it just seems like it's all digital and all sort of half-assed yeah you know it's sort of uh i do like the old school approach of just trying to get people to show for events you yeah know? so so how are you approaching like post-pandemic now i mean there's sort of like are you preparing yourself for this kind of like 
holy shit, like none of us have left our house. Like we're, we all need to go see music. Do you feel like now looking I, at like clubs and other venues too, we'll talk a little bit about that. Cause it's not just festivals you do. Like yeah. what's the gauge right now for how to move forward? How do you, there's, there's so many announcements every day. It seems like it's, it's kind of nuts. You know, there's obviously a, a pent up demand, you know, I mean, we did sacred harvest last year and I'm really glad that we did it too, just because People need an outlet, man. Like that it was so rough for everyone last year. You think how much of a stress reliever music is, not yeah. just for musicians, but people that attend the shows. Yeah. And that's how some people, you know, stay stay sane. <laughs> so no, I can trust you. Like, I know a lot of musicians who once outlet, they stop playing, like, yeah, they're just like, oh man, like I, mean, I yeah. can attest to that. There's, I'm just, I was yeah, just, I'm so just we, sad we sometimes because I'm not playing that music. Yeah. Still for people last year, but I think. I think there's a lot of opportunity. Like, if somebody wants to get involved, I mean, there's always opportunity. You make your own opportunity. But right now, I mean, I talked to the guy. He's the uh, volunteer coordinator of Bonnaroo, and I met him at Lost Lands a couple years ago when I was doing some, like, golf court transportation for them because that event's so huge. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember talking to him last year, last summer maybe, because Bonnaroo was maybe going to be rescheduled, and I was thinking about going and working and volunteering for him too just to network and stuff. And – he just said that. He's like, whatever you do, don't stop now. He's like, there's going to be a lot of people that do stop now. Yeah. With the pandemic, that will never go back to try to own a venue. That will never go back to try to throw a festival. That will never yeah. do any of that. So if you're willing enough to continue with it, I think it, it could pay off, you know, big. I mean, at the end of the day, too, it's all about showing up, putting in the work, you know. I think that's probably the pandemic, if anything. To me, it, it helps sort of weed out those who weren't in it for the right reasons and that means a lot of stuff yeah I mean, hopefully you reflect it and i think a lot of musicians and bands are it's not they're not in it for the right reason but it was like almost an excuse to stop you know and other people see it as an excuse to re evaluate and come out stronger yep. and even smarter absolutely do it better absolutely. you know i think that's the approach you know that we're trying to do that with the band I hope you're doing the same thing where you just sort of they gave you some time to be like, all right, how can I do this even better and prepare for something that could be sort of like, like a, the Roaring Twenties. They kind of that's like a funny thing, right? Because yeah. like that sort of the initial Roaring Twenties from back in the day was because of a pandemic and everyone was just like, I gotta get the fuck out. Everyone. <laughs> Everyone's dressing crazy, had big right. feathers, and they're just like, woo. And that went on for a few years. I think we're definitely getting close to something similar where because people need to one interact with other people, especially in real life. So festivals are definitely helping that. Yeah, absolutely. And that's anything, man. just events in general and just, you know, yeah. community. And then well, music, we also realize how much we all consume music and hopefully we didn't take that for granted, especially live music too, yeah. but how much music affects our lives. Definitely. Our phones, the movies. Yeah. Every you're shopping, you're hearing music. I feel you. You're yeah. in your car, you're hearing music. It's just like it's and such I an mean, important part of everything. Live streams are great too, but there's something different about it. It just there. doesn't connect. It's not man. the same. You know, I, the first the first concert that, I kind of like, watched therapeutic reasons for it and the community going back into everything we talked about for the festivals, all that stuff. The live stream is none of that. Like you're feeding. What are you staring at? your like computer. There's no energy there to take from that. You know, what I mean, these theoretical fans. And I think I even saw like uh, there was a wrestling pay-per-view. I'm a huge wrestling fan, but even they had WrestleMania, I think about a month ago and they had, had a crowd there. And it was just it's just so different. You forget how important that back and forth is. And I think we're really about to dive into that. Maybe people, hopefully people appreciate that now too. And sort of, we're all burned out on watching things on our phone. We're burned out of listening to Spotify because we've done it for like yeah. the last 18 months. You know what I mean? I want to experience something different. And those are all still great, you know, resources for us, but I hope you're able to take advantage of that and do more with Frogtown so that, you know, you guys can build off of that. Cause I really think people are going to be really wanting to just consume live yeah. music as much as possible especially in this area too because we, we're limited with weather and stuff so it's almost like you almost lose three months already out of the year just from the fact that we live here so it's like i feel like this fall is gonna be kind of wild yeah you know before Definitely. We all there's a lot of stuff going on i mean that's why we pushed sacred harvest back a couple weeks this year yeah. it's kind of fitting with the name though it's going to actually be in fall for the first time i think the first yeah. year it was around like the september 18th or whatever yeah. so the first day of fall is usually the 20th or 21st so that was based so strictly just on other, you know, festivals going on that are in that certain niche market where um, Glowstick Willie um, is from Indiana, but they have a huge Ohio following and they have their Willie Town that weekend after Labor Day. So instead of, you know, hurting both of us, I'm just like, we're going to do it this weekend. I think the weekend we chose, they actually did theirs last year on that weekend. So that's kind of, yeah, that's how it worked. I'm just really glad it's not on Black Swamp. Uh, same weekend, which is awesome. Well, I'm happy about that too. Yeah. Because yeah, like definitely. I, we either, we either played Swamp or didn't or then played harvest and it was always like this sort of like 
Yeah. And so this year I'm excited just, yeah, just to not only the to play, but just to be there and kind of take it in for the weekend too. Cause I haven't really had the ability to do that. Yeah. Plus my kid's old enough now that I can take him. He's five. That's awesome. He was just too young to where I was yeah, like, I hear, yeah. you just want to be like, this right. isn't like, oh, he's sleeping or whatever. Like, yeah. but I think he'll really take it in. I think that's like, yeah. And it's, uh, it's Travis's 30th birthday on October 1st, who started the festival with Alex and I, and then it's actually Wayne's birthday on October 2nd. So that's got, nice. yeah, yeah, it, it was like the stars aligned for that. It was yeah. kind of too perfect not to do it that weekend. Thank you for coming here. I think yeah, it's a great conversation, like learning more Absolutely. about like what you've been up to. And yeah, it sort doesn't of, uh, feel like an hour and a half went by. No, I sometimes <laughs> feel like every one of these shows has gone way faster. Like I know like it's time to stop if I'm actually going yeah. like, oh man, this show needs to wrap up. I'm a talker though, man. So. Just, you can ask my friends or anybody, family. So I'm, I'm glad. Yeah, hopefully I'll tell you. <laughs> the, the, the previous interview I did, uh, we did with David DuPont, who's a news reporter. And so I flipped it on him because he's the guy always asking questions. And it was literally like- was fun. <laughs> it was like I could tell that when we first started, he was like, "I don't know, this is weird. I don't know." Like, and it it was great. There was a point where I was like, "You gonna let me talk?" You know what I mean? It was awesome. Yeah. So I was like, "Good job!" Bud. Like, so like, and I learned so much interesting stuff about him too. So, um, so yeah, thank you again. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we'll uh, see you guys next week, and uh, yeah, thanks again. Yeah, thank you guys.